Hello and welcome to The People Behind Your Food. I am Chef Ryan Callahan and I'm here with my good friend Greg. How do you spell your last name? Anglin? Anglin? Anglin. Anglin. There's a whole word in there. So uh, Greg is in the in the grocery business. He used to be in the restaurant business. And I wanted to get his perspective in food about what it's like to go from the restaurant business, which we've all heard about uh, nine or 10 times over already. Um, and I wanted to get his experience in the grocery business and see how it contrasted to the restaurant business. Because remember, this is all about the people behind your food. And this is all about literally the people who are behind your food and who is behind your food more than the people in the grocery business i'm not really sure so greg welcome are you are you happy to be here oh yeah so are you excited yeah <laughs> A little nervous, you know? A little nervous. All right, so we're going to start with, uh, I like to start with the quick get to know you questions. The idea is just to, to know who you are and to learn about you so we can build a rapport with the audience because I know you, but they may not know you unless they're stalking you on the internet, in which case, you know, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how old are you? I'm 26. Okay, and then what's your favorite movie? Uh, it's a tie between the last two Harry Potters. Okay. So like the the Deathly Hallows yeah, part one Deathly and part okay good movies those are some of my favorites oh yeah uh, what's your favorite TV show uh, that'd be uh, Supernatural okay what's your favorite style of music or favorite group so th that's a tough one you know I I come from the generation that likes to expand their horizons with music I I listen to rock country a little bit of rap you know my favorite group right now is I Prevail they are phenomenal so what are they all about. Uh, they just recently released uh, a couple new songs. Uh, one of them is called Bow Down. It's about how the record labels actually uh, control the bands and make them do a certain hairstyle, do this, do that. And then uh, another song they release is about how the lead singer is, is depressed and is on medication for it and all that. And it's he's announcing it's okay to be depressed. Yeah. It's okay to go through this. They're a phenomenal band, and they just really lighten my mood when I'm listening to them. So kind of like the idea is the the disease itself isn't something to be ashamed of, but you still need to have treatment, right? Right, kind of yeah. Idea? Okay. So uh, I always ask everybody this, are you a cash guy or are you a card guy? How do you pay for your stuff? Well, if I have card, I don't think twice. If I have cash, I think twice. So, <laughs> you know, it, I, I hear a lot of people that are like, oh, I think twice about swiping a card, but breaking a 20 is nothing. Me, I'm the opposite. I'll think twice about breaking a 20 over swiping a card. So I carry a card, and that's my downfall sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like the key to financial literacy for you would just be carrying a $100 bill that says, don't ever spend me. Right. <laughs> I have actually had a $100 bill at one point in time on my wallet for two years and never spent it. That is insane because I would have spent that on food like 20 times over. I'd be like, oh, I got 100 bucks. Let's go to McDonald's and Taco Bell. Well, and one of the biggest kickers is I forgot it was there until I <laughs> cleaned out my wallet one day. I was like, oh, yeah, that's in there. That's so funny because uh, I was talking to Chrissy last week and she was talking about how she carries cash or she doesn't carry cash. But when she does, she always loses it, which is why she can't carry it. So she finds it in outfits like next fall. Like she'll yeah. lose it over the winter. And I do that all the time. It's like a free 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> So what's your favorite type of ice cream? Ah, that's, uh, it's hard to find around here. Uh, banana pudding. Banana pudding. Yes, it is incredibly hard to find around here. Me and you have talked about this before. Mayfield. Okay. Oh, uh, not Mayfield. Bluebell. 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 Yeah. Bluebell ice cream is amazing. You can't find it around St. Louis anywhere. No. 
It's just amazing. It's the best. Yes. I lived 45 minutes away from the factory, and I never went on a tour like an idiot because I was so busy running a restaurant. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite food? Ah, Alfredo. Any type of Alfredo. Like, pasta in general, but mainly Alfredo. Uh, you like dogs, you like cats? I'm a dog person. I'm allergic to cats, so... <laughs> <laughs> by de facto. Doesn't yeah, matter how much facto. you like those cats. Right. Um, okay, and then where did you grow up? I grew up uh, around Atlanta in Georgia, you know. Went to high school closer south to south of Florida. It was about 45 minutes from the uh, Florida-Georgia line. <laughs> now, is that the band, or is that, like, the actual place? I uh, know the band, uh, the, the, the actual <laughs> place. Uh, I actually grew up right around where uh, Luke Bryan and Brantley Gilbert and all them are from. I uh, actually went to several parties when I was in high school, with, and Luke, it was at Luke Bryant's pro, uh, farm. So I've actually met him before he got really big. That is actually a really cool story. Yeah. I should have brought you on just to tell that story. <laughs> so you were partying on Luke Bryant's farm. That is actually pretty pretty amazingly epic. Um, so where do you live now? I, I live uh, around St. Louis, Wentzville. <laughs> Wentzville? So you live in Wentzville, Missouri? Yeah. Right? Okay, not Wentzville, Illinois. I don't know if there is a Wentzville, Illinois. Yeah, I don't think there is. <laughs> so I feel like we've established who you are, your personality, and your view of the world. Banana pudding flavored ice cream. That is one I have never actually even heard of. It is phenomenal. It's like, it, it's so much better than actually banana pudding and just plain vanilla ice cream. It's yeah. It's like the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So uh, let's dive into part one of the interview, which is what you've done. So Greg, tell me about yourself and what, what do you do? Who are you? Tell me about yourself. So when uh, I graduated high school, I worked at a... Uh, warehouse uh it was kin's foods they manufactured salad dressings uh newman's own uh the kin steakhouse rest, uh salad dressings uh sweet baby raised barbecue sauce a lot of the mayonnaise that the big warehouse not warehouses uh, restaurants use mm -hmm. that comes in five gallon buckets we used to, i we made all of that and i was in the maintenance department of that that place was fun to work at but it sucked when you got home because you could smell the actual plants You'd be off for three days and go outside, cut the grass, and smell smell work and be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, wait, I got to jump in here really quick. What Describe for me, paint me a word picture, uh, I guess an olfactory word picture. What exactly is the aroma of a mayonnaise factory and salad dressing factory like? So basically what you want to do is take mayonnaise, ranch salad dressing, balsamic vinaigrette, blue cheese, uh, any salad dressing you could think of, and then barbecue sauce. Throw it in a pot and boil it. Oh, that sounds horrible. And with I was in the maintenance department, so I would have to go out every now and then to uh, the sewage plant. We had to clean the water before we could put it into the sewer system. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was even worse. So I would smell that, and oh, God, I, there was days I'd go home and get three showers and still not be clean. I'd get in the pool and then get out and be like, okay, I'm good. I'd have to bleach myself. <laughs> so you started, you started in a, as, as, you know, like a janitor at a, at a place. And then, so how did you get into the restaurant business itself? So after that, you know, my uh, mom was like, was driving for Papa John's. Mm -hmm. She's like, Hey, you know, we're hiring for drivers come over here you can make good money so i went there and that was i was great i was there for six uh no five and a half six years something like that 
and that was great. I worked there. You know, I started out driving, worked my way up to, well, I got too many tickets, got moved inside to make pizzas. <laughs> sure. So, you know, then after that, I worked my way up to shift lead, assistant store manager, store manager. And then when we moved to Missouri from Georgia, I uh, had to step down from store manager to assistant store manager. Worked around St. Louis, all over, mainly in Chesterfield, but worked everywhere in St. Louis at Papa John's. Mm -hmm. and then when they were going to promote me to store manager, they wanted me to drive from Winsville to Waterloo, Illinois, which one way is like an hour and a half at eight o'clock in the morning. So you really have to leave at six right. to fight the downtown traffic. And then I'd get off at seven o'clock at night, come home, drive an hour and a half home, My, I'd have a 14-hour day. So it wasn't the kind of career move that would have necessarily been wise or smart for you. Right. And they told me it'd be you know, another year, year and a half before there'd be a story, store opening even closer to home. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of playing the games. I'm going to move on. Went to this. How'd that go for you? I worked there three months and walked out middle of my shift. Now, was that a like a, a you problem, or was that a, a company culture issue? So that was a company culture issue. Like, so the store I worked at was in was in O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, the store closer to Highway sixty four forty. That store was suffering for in store help severely, mm -hmm. and uh, they you know I'd set the store up you know put had so much dough done that that we didn't need help we didn't per se need help mm -hmm. but we did mm -hmm. and uh one of the managers that was there in the middle of shift just had a mental breakdown and she was schizophrenic so she had a severe mental breakdown and that sounds rough yeah it was and uh i went through the group thread with all the stores around us I was like hey we need help blah 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 one of the other guys that was there working with me I was like, we didn't need help. We just needed a different approach and told me that I was stupid. Me being, have been in uh, pizza for, you know, going on six and a half years at this point, knowing how to run a pizza place. And he telling me that, I was like, you know what? I don't need this job. But at that point in time, I had already applied for another company mm -hmm. and was work in the company I'm with now. And I just walked out and said, if you think you can do my job better, you can have it. And the district manager then, instead of calling me saying, hey, what's going on? He's like, okay, you can shove it. And did not say any other things that was less explicit. <laughs> so that sounds like a company culture issue to yeah. me. You know, that's, it sounds like it's a toxic environment run by toxic people. Oh, it definitely is. And uh, the thing with Missouri, there's two different ownerships. There's uh, Missouri Pizza they own uh mainly closer to the city and then out in like uh Oph not o'fallon uh maryland heights that area and then once you get out further it goes into uh yard they own them and yards who i work for and they are just horrendous i've heard horror stories from people mm -hmm. and i've been told by people at the that work for C missouri pizza they're like hey don't <laughs> don't work for them. They are, they suck. They sure. they're like come work for us. And I, at this point, I'm like I'm done with pizza. I've been in it for yeah six and a half years, and I'm just you know. So you feel like I'm gonna kind of wrangle that for a second. So you feel like 
you pursued all the avenues of benefit in, in that industry, uh, you know, of going up and trying these different areas. Now, in your experience in these two major companies, did you find that the company cultures were different or did you find that they were similar or what did you find? So I, I've worked, uh, when I was with Papa John's, I held, I don't know if I still do, but I held the company record for clocking in and working at the most stores. I clocked in at like 250 different stores, <laughs> at least. Like, I clocked in at, like, 190-something stores mm-hmm. around Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, and then I moved here, and then I clocked in at just about every store in Atlanta. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry, St. Louis, except for the ones on the Illinois side of St. Louis. Sure. So, I hold one of the big, you know, records for clocking in the most stores. I have a lot of experience mm-hmm. in pizza. So... You know, I, I've i seen cultures in stores where it's, you know, great cultures. You walk in, it's everybody's happy. I've seen cultures where you walk in and it's disgusting. Right. So my thing with those is I only ever worked at three stores. Sure. So you can't really say if it's a all widespread thing. All three stores thing. was disgustingly horrible. They all had horrible morale. Mm-hmm. They were led by horrible people. Uh, the store in Winsville... The, the that I started at was led by was uh, ran by a uh, convicted pedophile and was working with a 16 year old girl. Like, so this is just a bad situation yeah. that made it even possibly worse. So you so you moved on from pizza. You feel like pizza got you as far as it possibly could. Yeah. So now you're in a grocery store. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So. I would ask what got you into the grocery business, but it just sounds like you ran the entire gambit with pizza and that was it. That was the top. That was as far as you needed to go. So you needed to change. So what are some of the differences between the grocery business and the restaurant business? They're both food, but what's the difference? So the difference is in pizza, all of our products, except for the veggies and dough, was pre-cooked. All we did was just put it put it on the pizza and send it to the oven mm-hmm. here we're dealing with raw product uh we have we have to maintain you know a good rotation of product because we don't want stuff to go bad so the first in first out super right important. fifo is huge with us uh we go through you know i go through daily when i'm at work and pull bad stuff off you know mm-hmm. and rotate product myself the biggest difference though is the volume of material that you go through. Yeah, tell me about that. I can only imagine because you're at one of the bigger grocery stores here in town. Right. So my, the store that I am at is uh, on the slower side of the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we go through on a slow day, which Tuesday is one of our slowest days. We'll go through about 300 pounds of ground beef in a day. I'm uh, sorry, in an hour. In an hour? Yeah. That's a lot of ground. That's a lot of ground beef. That's a quarter of a cow every hour. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it really shocks me now on like Saturdays, at you know like three o'clock in the afternoon, we have sold over two thousand pounds of ground beef in one day. Two thousand pounds of ground beef in a day. Yes, that's that's a lot of ground beef. Oh, that's a is. whole cow. You it you is. put that thing in a grinder and you turn around and you're, you're handing it to people. Right, and you know. Back to going to the differences, uh, the size of the 
trucks that come in. Mm -hmm. uh, we get our inventory daily where I work. And it's one of my job duties is to go in at four o'clock in the morning, break the pallets down, get everything rotated and stuff, get the floor stocked. But the volume of stuff that you get, like we, at one point in time, we had 300 and something packages of, of chicken breast. The chicken breast can range from three pounds to 10 pounds. It just depends on how much they put in the package. And I'm just like, why do we have that much chicken breast? We're not going to go through this. We're going to be throwing this out. And the chicken breast, when it comes in, it can be good for three days to five days, depending on how long it's set in the warehouse. Sure. And I think th this stuff was like four days, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're not going to sell all this. I'd been there for a month or two. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't think we're going to sell this. And everyone's was like, oh, we're going to run out. This isn't enough. And it just astounded me. And I'm like, there's no way. 300 pounds of chicken breast. So, like, I know from my restaurant experience, and I'm sure you can say from your restaurant experience, that's a lot of chicken. Like, like I remember working in pizza. If we went through, what, two cases, which would be, like, 30 pounds of it chicken, that. that'd be a really, really busy chicken week. Yeah. Yeah, and so me coming in from pizza where chicken is a sl not a slow seller, but a not more bought topping sure to okay we have all this chicken i don't think we have enough i don't i don't think we're gonna sell it and someone's like we don't have enough i'm like uh oh uh, <laughs> did, did i just open my mouth and make a fool of myself yeah. <laughs> so just the sheer massive amounts of volume were a shocker because it you know it reminds me of those stories of casino restaurants where they're just you got these kitchens that are like almost as big as a warehouse just making these food for these buffets and they're like yeah we're just gonna sell out you know we sell ten thousand pounds of crab legs a week you know it's like you know to me as a regular chef that just that flabbergasts me the oh, amount yeah. of the sheer amount of volume but you're saying that 300 pounds of ground beef an hour is not an unreasonable amount of ground beef oh no it's not and i know uh the busiest store in the st louis area for the chain network is O'Fallon. Mm -hmm. The O'Fallon meat department manager is one of my managers now. He got promoted and transferred to where I work. He told me that it was unheard, not unheard of for him to sell 15,000 pounds of ground beef in one day. 15,000 pounds? Yes. That's okay. So a truck can carry 40,000 pounds. That's almost half of a semi truck filled with beef. Yes. That's yes. a lot of beef. It is. That's and, big business. And that's not including, you know, steaks. Right. You know, your ribs. That's a lot of hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> O'Fallon is the busiest store in the St. Louis market. And it's, I've been in there and I'm like, I can't move. Like, right. That store's just massive. packed to the, yeah. Yeah, it's a massive store and it's packed. And I'm just like, yeah, I know why they sell so much. <laughs> <laughs> so really the big the big change was just the sheer volume and the shock so but otherwise i mean like are there any other differences that you you can think of off the top of your uh, head well you know anybody that's worked in pizza has always complained about this you don't really get breaks in pizza mm -hmm. or any restaurant any, yeah any restaurant. what's a really? break i had a kid ask me first day so when do we take breaks and we all just literally turn around and started laughing at him like what the heck's a break yeah you know? yeah so uh, one of the biggest shocks was my first day hey have you taken a break yet no, go 
go take a fifteen. Excuse me? I don't, yeah. I don't what do you what what do you mean? You want me to sit here and do nothing? That's that seems inhumane. Yeah, you know, I was, <laughs> I was like, what? You mean I at first I was like, what's a break? And then I was like, wait, I've been in pizza for six and a half years. I get a break. Awesome. And now it's like I'm like, hey, new guy, have you taken your break yet? No. We get breaks? Yeah, man. Enjoy it. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Do you know where the break room is? I'll walk you, and then I'll take an extra five-minute break while I'm back there. <laughs> so breaks, that's a, that's huge. So how do you deal with that, like just being bored? Like it, what do you do? So, I don't. Even, I can't even imagine. So really all I do is get on – when I'm on my break, I get on YouTube or Netflix. Okay. You know, everyone has a smartphone nowadays, so why not? So you just entertain yourself in some way. Yeah. See, coming from the restaurant business, it's so weird. I had to I had to take breaks and I hated it. I couldn't stand it because I'd much rather just get my 8 hours done or 10 hours or whatever and just go home. Why do you want to keep me here for an extra hour not doing anything? Right. And so we get an hour lunch. My very first day working a full 8-hour shift, I went took my lunch, clocked in at 30 minutes and didn't know that I was supposed to take an hour. And I come back and uh, the department manager was like, how long did you take your lunch? I was like, 30 minutes. He's like, go clock out and take more break. You you have to. And I'm like, I have never been told that. <laughs> you need to stop doing so much work here. You're, you're just freaking us all out. Oh yeah, you know, like even to this day that they still joke about that. And I'm like, hey, you know, I come from a place where we didn't take breaks. Yeah, restaurant, know? there's no such thing as a, you know what restaurant, you know what taking a break is? It's called go home. You're cut. Do your side work, go home. That's yeah. your break. Or, you know, the old, hey, oh, hey, I got to use the restroom and then you disappear for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're going, you're, you're using the bathroom, but really you're sitting down there just breathing because you're so busy. Yeah. Um. So what are some, okay, so it sounds like. Breaks are a good thing that you've experienced yeah, in, yeah. in the restaurant or in the grocery business. But tell me some other good stuff that you've experienced. So one of the biggest things that I think is good is, you know, I'm working in Chesterfield. It, you know, Chesterfield is always, no matter what what company you're with, is a hard town, hard town to hire for. Yes. Chesterfield is full of very rich people. They don't have to work in the town they work in. They don't need secondary jobs to work in the afternoon. Their kids don't work 90% of the time. No, they do not. <laughs> so, And then they keep putting restaurants in Chesterfield going, we'll, we'll find restaurant employees, but they're just stretching out the amount of restaurant employees they have to begin with. Yeah. So they are, you know, they are really good about hiring people from the city and having them ride the bus in. Mm -hmm. And that's good. You get the staff. That's, you know, my store is struggling for staff, but at the same time, we're staffed. Mm -hmm. and it's great so there's that and you know the pay is a lot better than in pizza mm -hmm. so I'm making like a dollar fifty more an hour than I was as an assistant manager at a pizza place wow that's a lot more oh yeah for what and you're not are you even a manager yet not yet like that they're working for me with that but I'm not there yet <laughs> sure yeah that's funny because, you know, in a restaurant, they're like, oh, you seem competent. You're a manager now. Uh, you <laughs> been there for two days. Oh, hey, you are you want to be a manager? We'll get you in training next week. Yeah. I, I worked at a place, just speaking about that, I worked at a place that um, I went in there. And they said, it's a three-month training process. We recruit people from the ground up. And I had already had GM experience at that point. I was like, okay. 
a week and a half in, they hand me store keys and say, oh, you're opening on Fridays from now on. <laughs> like, aren't I in training still for like the next 60 days? They're like, no, you you know what you're doing. You're good. Yeah. Like, that, that's kind of what happened with me with as I was there. They're like, yeah, you're going to go through like a 12-week training program. And then they're like, well, you've been in pizza for a long time. You know what to do. You just need to learn our product and our system. Yeah. And we see how that ended. <laughs> uh, so tell me a funny story about working in the grocery business. So we uh, had to, around Christmas time, we get the uh, prime rib roasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy asked me how to cook them. I have never cooked one myself. <laughs> I, I, I know how to cook, but I don't cook much. If sure. I do cook, it's like scrambling an egg or something simple, putting something in the oven. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I've seen my mom cook this before. I was lying through my teeth. She's never cooked one of those. <laughs> I'm like, I was thinking back to, you know, like, uh, what's corned beef roast? Yeah. You know, she cooks that a lot, you know, in the crock pot. So I was like, so yeah, just put it in the crock pot when you go to bed at night. And the next morning when you get up, you know, it'll be good. Just turn it on low so it stays warm and you'll be fine. Well, <laughs> that was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> He was like, okay, well, if you've ever bought a prime rib roast, they're not particularly cheap. No, they're not. They're not even remotely cheap. They're very expensive. I think the guy spent like $55 on this roast. And I I told, I just lied through my teeth telling him how to cook it. <laughs> you know, the answer for that is give Google, right? Yeah. Because I don't know. Yeah. Well... I want. I wanted to impress. Sure. The the you know pretty girl that was standing over there beside him, and I was like, so I told her, told him, and then I was like, well, there's that way, and then also if you open the little booklet on the front, it tells you how to cook it as well, so you can do it the way I said, or you can do it this way. Sure. He's like, well, your way sounds phenomenal. I'm gonna try your way. I don't know how it turned out. <laughs> I haven't seen the guy since, and I hope I don't see him. <laughs> That's so horrible, but at the same time, I mean, it could work. It could. It's low and slow, you know. I, my my big concern would be that it would turn into, like, almost like a shredded chuck roast as opposed to, like, a prime rib. Because the prime rib is supposed to be roasted on the outside. You right. know, get that Maillard reaction, real savory. But, I mean, if it didn't cook too long, I mean, it could work. Salt, pepper, rosemary, a little bit of olive oil. I mean, yeah, if you doctored it up a little, it could have worked. Oh, yeah. But it's just not going to be prime rib the way you think of it you know it's yeah. gonna be like shredded roast beef yeah you know that's yeah. so funny yeah that that's gotta be the funniest thing and i also feel the worst about that <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the server i used to work with and she would lie through her teeth someone would say what i'd they'd say oh well what's the best thing on your menu and the best thing on your menu is very rarely ever the most expensive thing on your menu yeah. but it did not matter the place she worked at she would always find the most expensive thing on the menu and be like oh that's it right there because she you know because that was her thought you know if i'm making 39 dollars on this plate you know then that's six dollars in my pocket at 20 at 20 bucks you know or eight dollars in her pocket so she's like i'm not going to recommend the ten dollar thing because then i'm only getting two dollars so she was upselling but not actually providing the customer service so we had a, a long chat about how that's not really good customer service but that's really really funny greg yeah. don't do that to me 
<laughs> so um, let's let's move into a little more than nuts and bolts on um, what you do at the grocery business. So how many people do you work with at a time? Do you think? Uh, depends on the day, but uh, like today, uh, there was about five or six of us in in what I was doing. You know, we come in, we take care of meat and produce, and mm-hmm. then when we get done. If if we get done before our time off, we go and help out in bakery and deli. So that's just meat and produce. Yeah. Okay. So that's in your specific area. Right. How many people do you think work in the entire grocery area? About twenty twenty five. At a time. Uh yeah. On the busier wow. days, it's a little bit more, you know. And it also depends on people's availability. Sure, and yeah. Everything. Yeah, but like you're probably looking at like 20, 25 people. So you guys are pretty much broken up into like independent work groups. Right. So you have your people that are over meat and produce, and then you have your people that are over deli and bakery. And then meat and produce, when they get done, they're supposed to go help deli and bakery because deli and bakery you can never be done with. Mm-hmm. And so then you have your ones that are over actual grocery aisles that stock those. Then you have the ones that are over the frozen aisles. And then you have the ones over dairy and their deli. Dairy is over eggs and mm-hmm. yogurt and all that. So the dairy department is actually a fairly big department, but it is the most shortly staffed department because the people that are there have been there for 10, 15, 20 years, and they know how to do it so fast that they can run with four people instead of eight people. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. So... um what what's the most challenging aspect of your position right now so with me they're partially training me to be a department manager and so when the department managers aren't there they look they come to me for everything Mm -hmm. i'm you know there is no meat manager right now so i handle everything for meat Mm -hmm. and then i also when there is no department managers there for produce or deli and bakery I handle the entire staff. Mm-hmm. So the most difficult part is just learning the people there. Like I, the business, business is business. It's going to be the same no matter where you work. You're going to have sales. You're going to have. You're going to be missing product. You're, you're, you learn to adapt. Sure. The learning the people aspect is always the most difficult thing of any job. You have to learn the you know you the culture, it, where I'm working. We have three people that are not from America. Mm-hmm. One's from Colombia, and then two are from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So you have to get through that language barrier and learn them at the same time. And then you have to learn other people. So I'm really, I feel myself is really good at that. You've worked with me, you've seen how I am with people. <laughs> nah, you're horrible with people. You're terrible. You're the worst. But yeah. So, like, people, uh, you know, it's great. But the most difficult thing about any business is going to be learning your staff. Right. You learn your staff, then then you know, hey, they work well when you react to them with this way or this way. Then you can, then you know how to handle everything. Sure. It's the, it's the diplomacy aspect of management. It's right. really, people really underestimate the, the sheer amount of diplomacy that a manager has to use, you know, because... I mean, there are managers who are just like, do it or you're fired. But those are not the people you want to work for. Those are not the people who get the best reactions out of their crew, who get them to dig deep and do more than they're ever asked oh, yeah. normally to do. Like the old saying goes, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. Right. 
And right now my manager is on vacation. She's straight vinegar. The guy that they have over us, I love working with him. I love working under him. Like me and him get more accomplished in 20 minutes than I do, than I feel like I do all day when my normal manager is there. It's just great. Mm -hmm. And when she comes back next week, she's going to complain about everything that we did because she doesn't <laughs> like the way we did it. But it works. So how often do you guys stock? I mean, obviously you guys are moving a lot of volume. Are you just stocking all the time? So we get there at four. We break down the pallets and stuff. Uh, meat, we'll have, we'll have our stuff broke down 45 minutes, an hour and a half, depending on how much we get. Uh, produce, it takes three, four hours, sometimes five hours to get everything broke down. So we have to, you know, accordingly. But as we have the staff to, as we're breaking the stuff down, we can stock. Mm -hmm. So we were supposed to have the floor stocked by seven o'clock because we open at seven. Mm -hmm. And then we come in and then people start shopping and then we go and not behind them every single time but <laughs> we, we go every 30 45 minutes we'll go out and see what we need to restock okay so so kind of on a regular basis yeah on a regular on a regular but irregular pattern sure not so much that you can guess hey they're gonna put out new stuff in 10 minutes sure but hey if we'll get stuff within the hour yeah yeah okay that makes sense so it leads me to two new questions. So what the heck do you guys do with all the boxes? I'm assuming all the food comes in some kind of packaging. What happens to all that packaging? So we bail up all the uh, boxes and then they get shipped off. Don't know where they go. I think. <laughs> <laughs> they go to magical recycling land. Yeah, I guess. I say, yeah they get shipped off for recycling. I don't know if it's back to the company that they came from. They yeah. get reused or if they just go to get recycled and turned into dirt, uh, rabbit Sure. Stuff. Yeah. So, so okay. If you guys are moving through that much product, do you guys have a lot of waste? Do you find? Or oh, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, one of our biggest waste uh, is the the what we call featured items. Okay. Uh, we just had St. Patrick's Day. Right. One of the biggest things with St. Patrick's Day is corned corn beef. beef. I was in your grocery store today and I saw the amount of corned beef you have on sale and I'm waiting for it to go down another dollar to be $2 off a pound and then you better believe I'll be buying two or three of those things. Right. We we got in over 7,000 pounds of corned beef. Part of it was the flat cut, part of it was the point cut. Right. We still have over a third of it, I think. Wow. So, it doesn't expire until May 1st. Right. And some you mean April 1st? Yeah, May 1st. Oh, May 1st. I thought you, for some reason, I thought you said March 1st. No. <laughs> My May, mistake. May, <laughs> yeah. May 1st. Uh, we do have a couple that expire, like May 27th and stuff sure. like that. But we'll... When, it's salted beef. It shouldn't really go bad that fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it hurts to get that mass influx of one product in. Sure. But when it's good for that long... Yeah, kind of like hams are good for a real long time, too, because yeah. cured. Yeah, so we can actually, you know, we'll make a push to get through that. We'll mark them down to mm -hmm. get them sold and stuff like that. But when you have that mass volume of stuff and you start stacking on top of each other, the other day we have a, a chest full of them, and I had to go through and organize them where customers have been, you know, we'll have, have it split, point on one side, flat on the other. 
and I had to go through and organize them. And I was finding where on the bottom, it, there was so much weight on them that it was popping the bags and the meat was starting to rot. No. Not rot, but brown. Yeah, just oxidizing. And... Right. So we had to go through everything and I think we threw away about 20 pounds. That's not but, too bad. No, it was like 10 roasts. Yeah. So that's not too bad. But it's still waste. Yeah. Waste is never good. Yeah, so what we do with that is we actually have... Uh, in our cooler that we keep our meat in, we have a designated spot to do our throwaway meat. And then we sell that to a company that takes it and turns it into mulch. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So people are like, do you donate it? it well, no. some we do, some we don't. Yeah. So if it, if say something expires today and we don't sell it today. We pull it at 7 o'clock. We'll pull it off the shelf, put it in our freezer, let it freeze, mm -hmm. and then... And then uh, it's good for one more day. Right, <laughs> right, right. So what we do is we freeze it, and then we donate it to uh, Feed America, I think is sure. the company's name. We donate it to them, and then they distribute it. So we, we do have that, but say, you know, a uh, pack of chicken gets put on a shelf. Sure. And left there for hours, and no one notices it until it's too late yeah it's in the cereal aisle right which happens for some weird reason more times than you would think i no, i've seen the way that people do their refrigerators and um i'm not surprised people are not very hygienic yeah yeah so you know we take that and put it in the barrels and it stinks after a few days oh of course it does but so we they come every monday and take it and you know, turn it into mulch. Turn it into mulch. Yeah, and I'm like... That explains know. why mulch piles stink. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm like, you know, this is actually a really good thing, you know. Walmart, uh, the company I work for is not losing out on money. They're yeah. still make not... They're losing money, but they're not making money. Right. So, they, uh, you know, it, it works out that way. Yeah. So, let me move into some more tactical questions. Yeah. So how do you guys decide um, how much food to order? Do you guys just do the restaurant method of comparable sales, or is it more complicated than that? So we actually do not control what we order. What? No, we do not. Do so you just get shipped them? Yeah, we just get stuff shipped. Now, we do have the option. Say we want to put you know, certain types of chicken breast mm -hmm. on a feature to sell more of that mm -hmm. or like here recently we had we knew that all cabbage goes with corned beef right they they don't ship us cabbage we have to order the cabbage okay so we have options for that or hey you know i've got this church wanting to order x amount of this sure we can place an order for that and that gets shipped to us that's really big around thanksgiving churches ordering turkeys from us Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we had one order last year for, uh, I think, like 1,200 turkeys. Wow. Yeah. and It's like a small stadium's worth of turkey. It is. It is. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of turkey. And they're like, yeah, it's for a church. They're going to give it out to the homeless. And I was like, are we, you know, like, are we giving them a discount? You know, like, this is, like, yeah. this is good stuff. Why aren't we helping them out more? And they're like, yeah. Uh, we get we actually give them the employee discount on that, which is ten percent off. Sure, but still, like that's 
even you know 10 percent off of 1200 pounds of turkey at 99 cent a pound yeah that's 1200 dollars worth of turkey at 10 percent off is 120 but hey you know what that's a good deal on turkey yeah. i'm gonna tell you that's a really good deal and if this was deli turkey that'd be an amazing deal you oh, could yeah. never pass that up oh yeah it was, <laughs> yeah whole frozen turkeys you know those things especially around thanksgiving move but uh yeah you know we don't order our food it gets shipped to us. Do you have any idea what's coming? See, that just, to me, just sounds in, so like insanity. We can look it up and see what we're going to get. Okay. Uh, the but there's some guy in an office somewhere who's keeping track of this kind of stuff in no. the inventory. Computer. The computer? Okay, so there's a computer named Hal somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a computer-generated order. They, uh, you know, it just ships us what we need. We do inventory daily. Yeah. Uh, sometimes three, four times a day. Actually. And then you plug it into Hal, and then Hal makes the decisions on how, what you need tomorrow. Yeah. To now, okay, so that's another question. So, you know, like in restaurants, everything comes from like a supplier, like Cisco or U.S. Foods or some smaller place, you know. So, does it all come from uh, like a local warehouse, or does it get shipped from out of state, or so where does it come from? Our warehouse is in Woberly. I don't know where that is. I think it's closer to. I don't even know. <laughs> I think it's closer. You know what? That sounds incredible. It's in Woberly. Great, guys. I don't know where Woberly is. <laughs> so I, I looked it up one day, and it's uh, closer to Kansas City. Okay. And I was So it all comes out of like a hub. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they get everything shipped to them, and then they... Say, See, that's crazy because... Okay, back to the Bluebell ice cream thing. <laughs> Kansas City has Bluebell ice cream. If they're getting all the hubs sent to Woberly, which is in Kansas City, it'd be in that market. All they'd have to do is just bring it over. I know. And it... it you know... <laughs> Who do we need to lobby to do this, Greg? We need <laughs> right. to get a petition. You know, so, and also, another thing, you know, they they decide what we're going to sell at each store. Mm -hmm. I go to a, the Winsville store all the time, and they have this uh, cookies and cream uh, thing. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's like whipped cream, okay. and it's cookies and cream, and it's so good. It's delicious. I go to my store. We don't sell it. Hey, I even bought one and took it in. Hey, can we get this here? It doesn't sell here. We don't. We don't keep it in. Oh, because it just doesn't move. Yeah, it each doesn't market, move. Each little regional market right. has. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and so they keep track of all that. That way, we don't have to say, uh, "This sells. This doesn't." Uh, let's try. Let's try this new item. See, it's interesting because I noticed that some of the other grocery stores, you know, because St. Louis is an Italian area. When I go to the same store but in a different market, you know, even in the same little, you know, little areas inside of the city, they'll have different things. Like places with a lot of Mexican people have a lot of Mexican stuff, like beef tongue and lingua and carne asada and all kinds of stuff like that. But then, like you know, in St. Louis, you know, like so this is the weirdest thing because you're from out of you're from out of town, so you probably get this. Everywhere else, Italian food is ethnic food. It's in the ethnic food aisle with the Jewish and the Mexican and the Chinese and the Korean and the Japanese, right? Right. But here in St. Louis, the Italian food is just distributed evenly throughout the grocery store because that's how much we move. Yeah. But that's so weird because, you know, like like you said, you know, each grocery store is set up in a way to, to affect the market directly. That, you know, I, went, I remember going to being in Colorado and going to buy pasta and pasta and sauce were in the ethnic food aisle next to like parmesan cheese and a couple other things but they weren't a whole aisle they were like a little tiny small selection and i remember looking at it being like what's wrong with people how do you not eat this on a regular basis but right. anyways um so what are some of the unique challenges that you face working in the grocery business so you know like i said employees working with different cultures mm -hmm. is a good challenge uh working in chesterfield you get 
a lot of different cultures with customers and pay uh, as not socioeconomic pay. range. Yes, there um, you go. Like they're upper class, lower class, so on right, and so forth. Right, that. So we get a lot of people that don't feel safe shopping in the city, that live in the city. Sure. That come out there. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me there. Yeah. But, you know, so you get a bunch of those and they're you've got your good apples and bad apples in sure. every economic class. Right. And I have come to learn working where I work the best class is the low middle class and the high up low class. Mm-hmm. That is the best range of customer. They're they're the hard workers that work that know the value of a dollar that don't have to sit there and say, "Oh yeah, I got 30 extra dollars to spend on you know, two pieces of steak. Sure. They're the ones that when they ask for something and you, you're out, they're not going to freak out on you. Right. The, uh, they value your work. Right. They value your work. They they know that it's not your problem. They probably work in the same industry as you. Sure. So they know. You get the upper class people that don't, you know, they got their head in the cloud. They have had everything handed to them their majority of their lives. So they come in. Oh, you don't have. Why don't you have this? Well, you need to fix this. What are you going to do to take take care of me right now, ma'am? A robot makes our purchasing decisions, not me. Right. <laughs> you know, so, like the the lower class people, they're always, you know, I hate to say it, out to get something for free. Sure. You know, the hustlers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They come in. They're trying to grind you. They're trying to hustle on you. Yeah. You know. And you know, I have learned to brush it off but when i first started there me being in pizza you know i dealt everyone knows in pizza you deal with the scammers a lot oh sure and i i would instantly there was a hair in my pizza no one here at the store even has hair sir well i don't know how it got there or or the 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 famous oh there was a black hair in my pizza sir how long was it it was about nine inches long okay well I myself have blonde hair. Yeah. My driver has red hair. Sure. And my other person that was here has green hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you so, so would you so you've worked you know with the pizza stuff you got the scammers but you got the hustlers and the scammers there. I mean like now are those employees or are those people who are just coming to the store or both? Believe it or not. Okay. Uh, you know, me working in you know the meat department a lot. It's really sad, but, you know, you do see employees that steal food. Sure. You know, we have our uh, our uh, theft department, asset protection, stuff like that, that will come through and walk through, not hourly, but, you know, like every two and a half, three hours, you'll see them walking through. Sure. Just keeping an eye on things. Not so much accusing any employee, but, you know, just like, hey, a watch... You know the saying, a watch pot doesn't bowl? Sure. Something like that. How yeah, does that yeah. go? That's exactly the phrase. You just said it without confidence. Let me yeah. say it with confidence. A watch pot never boils. Right. Sure. So they feel like if they're watching, no one's going to steal. Yeah. No, I get that. I used to work at, when I was in early college, I worked at Best Buy. And I worked there for Christmas. And their asset protection people were all over it all the time. Because people will steal if they can. It doesn't matter what part of town you're in. People steal. And, you know, out here in, like, the more affluent areas, it's the kids who steal. Why? For fun. They don't need it. They just do it for fun, for the thrill. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's sad, you know, because, like, a lot of times 
I don't know, you know, working in the restaurant business, I pretty much got fed for free all the time. You know, right. I don't know how it is in grocery. If you're, you know, like when Jesse used to work at a bakery, they had a box of leftovers that they couldn't sell and brought it home, you know, like, yeah. cause we don't really have that. Uh, what we do is every now and then the, they'll make to me donuts or something. We sure. did get those, but like, we we're just not allowed to you know go <laughs> to walk the on with a roast. Yeah, yeah, like the samples. You know, most grocery stores will have the samplers out there. I can go and say, hey, let me try this. You know, so that's good. <laughs> you know, I've, I've built, that's a perk. <laughs> yeah, I've actually worked with worked there long enough and known the girls that do the samples long enough to where I can go up to them and say, hey, let me get a whole little plate of that, and they'll yeah. give me you know five or six. Little samples, yeah. And I'm, that's great. But, you know, every around Christmas and Thanksgiving, they, you know, the company takes care of the employees. They feed them meals. Like, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, we actually had people there at, like, 5 o'clock on Thanksgiving Day. And there was people there to feed them. That's awesome. Like, it was like... I mean, terrible, but yeah. also great yeah it's it's a terrible situation terrible that they're working but it's great that the company's taking care of them. yes and that's actually my big problem with working on holidays because i worked in a nursing home and there are certain positions that are absolutely essential like a gas station a nursing home a hospital ambulances police fire department these are essential services that you have to have and those are people who have to work but you should take care of them and i agree you should treat people nicely yeah and so the thing is, you know, they it's a phenomenal thing to work where I work. It's not bad, but it's, you know, there's improvements that could be made. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to go through this process. You know, like I said, we do inventory every day. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest problems that we have is the, the system saying, oh, you received 10 cases of chicken breast when we only received eight. Now, sure. Now we have to eat the cost on that two cases. That makes sense. Yeah. So it cuts into... So it makes it look like your store is taking a loss yeah. when it's not really. Right. So that cuts into us. I, I go through daily. Uh, when I'm working in the meat, I get bounced between meat, produce, bakery, and deli a lot because I'm one of the... I'm not the person that's been with the company the longest, mm-hmm. but I'm the one that is the most well-trained. And sure. I'm the most reliable. So they... Bragging it, a little bit? I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not bragging, but it's what has been told to me, not by my manager, sure. but three or four managers. Greg, you're a great guy. I, I get it. Yeah. So they, they've got you going all over the place because you're the most trained. Right. That makes so sense. So when I do get a chance to work in meat, I go through and I count what we have and i'm like oh we're missing this and i can i know how to put in claims saying we didn't get this we were supposed to and i have actually gotten it to where instead of us being missing you know forty thousand dollars in merchandise Mm -hmm. to now we're down to like oh yeah we're missing like 50 bucks in merchandise this week right and which is probably more realistic anyways oh yeah you know because you're not going to be missing forty thousand dollars in merchandise because if you if you had worked at the company was missing forty thousand dollars of the merchandise you're not going to be working for a company much longer right that company's going to go belly <laughs> they're going to go belly up but they they finally got that system right and it's amazing now that mm-hmm. i have been in there and getting everything correct that's awesome so this is my favorite question to ask which is 
and this is requiring Greg to think outside of Greg. So yeah. I'm sorry here for a second, but who on your who do you work with that is completely indispensable and could not be replaced? Not necessarily like I, we can't replace Brenda, but what do they do that provides such a quality for your experience that you don't feel like they could be easily replaced? So uh, honestly, besides yourself, yeah, besides myself, <laughs> besides myself, uh, that would have to be. Uh, our door greeter, David. You know, he's he's in a wheelchair. He's not very, he's not able to do much. Sure. He, uh, but every time you see him, he's got a smile on his face greeting the customers. He's the only door greeter we have that actually greets the customers and tells them have a good day when they walk out. N- never fails. He can be in the middle of a conversation with me and you, and he'll look away, greet the customer, and come back to you. Yeah. And that just, you know, in Chesterfield, that's hard to find. Mm-hmm. He's like, there are customers that come in and say, hey, where's David? You know, I'm like, he's off today. Oh, yeah. man, I really wanted to see him. Yeah, he's nice. He's a nice guy. Right. You know, he's a great guy. And I, I've i sat there and got in trouble for carrying on a conversation with him for an hour. <laughs> So um, that pretty much wraps up most of the interviews. So we're on to part three, which is your plans for the future. I really think we dug into the nut, nuts and bolts there, you know, uh, the pot roasts and chuck roasts, you know. <laughs> yeah. hey uh, So are you going to stay in the grocery business? Why or why not? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I will, you know. It's a great job. They pay pretty well, you know. I thoroughly enjoy my job mm-hmm. most days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I can act. I, I'm up for a promotion, and you know we see where it goes, but I do see where the company is going with like how te- technology is going with the company and how they're integrating you know that into the staff and stuff, and I like it. Mm-hmm. It's I see us going very far. I see myself going very far in the company. My my store manager is like, you're great. Like you're honestly one of the best people that I've seen work in the fresh department sure i see you going far okay so you like it oh yeah it's for you i yeah for the most part <laughs> I, I don't deal well with funk and the sure. rotten meat is not very <laughs> kind that's something you'll nut up after a while oh, yeah you know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> it's like the warehouse after a while you just get used you just to get it. used to it yeah. yeah it's like i used to work at the salami place and in the summer it was there was meat thrown away outside, and it was smelly. Oh yeah! But we triple bagged it, and we just dealt with it. It just you just you just get used to it, you know. Yeah. As they say, with kids, you get used to dirty diapers, but I don't believe that. Not I'm for still a second. Not used to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you're going to be going up in the company. Do you like you know? So you could see yourself working here for a while. Yeah. You like I really it? Really could. I like it. All right. I like it. Good interview. So. Uh, that was Mr. Greg. Mr. Greg, did you have fun today on oh, yeah. the people behind your food? Definitely. Did you, I always ask, uh, uh, did you learn anything about yourself today? <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. A little yeah. bit? <laughs> but anytime I hang out with the Callahans, I feel like I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Mr. Greg, thank you again for coming on the people behind your food. If you're listening to this on my website, chefryancallahan.com. I just want to remind you guys, you can listen to this on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and of course, Google Play Music. Uh, you can also find me at Instagram at, at chef underscore Ryan underscore Callahan. And I thank you guys for listening to the People Behind Your Food podcast, and I'll see you guys next week.